Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. What's up, everybody, and welcome in to Commanding the Huddle. I am your host, Ryan Fowler. Ladies and gentlemen, the world's most irrelevant streak of winning games <laughs> is over. Washington's 29-28 win in preseason week two on Monday Night Football at FedEx Field over the Baltimore Ravens, who, if you've been living under a rock for the last eight years, haven't heard about the Ravens' preseason Win streak, haven't lost since 2015 until last night. Again, 29-28, Washington Commanders over the Baltimore Ravens. I'm going to push that to the side. Do not care about the streak. I could absolutely care less. I want to focus on the burgundy and gold. There are a lot of positive things from last night on either side of the football. But again, as we did in week one, and we will today, and we will in the season, it starts with the quarterback play. And with Sam Howell... Steps were made, and that's all you can ask. He was not perfect, but if you look at the stat line, you didn't watch anything. You just looked at the box score. 19 for 25, 188 yards, two touchdowns, 123.4 quarterback rating. That's a pretty damn good day, if you ask me, from the first-year starter. Second year in the league, but a first-year starter in the NFL and for the Washington Commanders, moving into year two, second offense. Look, this is just... It's another stepping, another rung up the ladder, if you will, for Sam Howell. And a couple times where his eyes got down, where I want to see him keep him up, even one time where he's rolling to his left near the goal line, Jahan Dotson escapes from his man on the left side. If he's able to keep his eyes up, he can even flip it out behind the line of scrimmage for a touchdown to Jahan. That's a higher level processing type of play, but Sam Howell has that ability to do so. But I think when you look at Sam's game last night, he was comfortable. He was in rhythm. And when I look at the architecture of this offense and how it it has been able to take its steps, consistently the spacing at every level continues to just impress me from a static 10,000-foot view of what the fundamental architecture of the offense is going to be. Because last night you saw the flat areas. You saw Antonio Gibson and Brian Robinson. Brian had... Let me make sure here. Four targets, four catches, 17 yards. He's going to be featured as a weapon in this passing game. We've seen that in training camp. We've seen that in week one of preseason, even more so now in week two and expected to see it more moving into the regular season. You have Cole Turner over the middle of the field who caught two balls for 24 yards. And then you got guys like Jahan Dotson and Terry McLaurin and Deami Brown and Curtis Samuel over those deeper thirds. Jahan, Terry, and Deami combined for six 16 targets last night. 16 targets. Jahan, five catches, 76 yards. Terry had three for 39. Went out with that toe injury. Heard every everything that I've heard out of the building so far early here on Tuesday morning. So he's going to be fine. There's an MRI scheduled for today. Turf toes can linger. Knock on wood, it does not linger. But we know who Terry is. He's a tough SOB. He's going to be on the field Week one against Arizona Cardinals, I have no doubts in my mind that 17 is going to align on the outside. They're going to need him to be on the outside in week one. I don't think that that is going to linger. Again, knock on wood, the conversations that I've had in the last 12 hours, they're not going to linger at all. So 
Those three guys, really, Jahan, Terry, Diami, good for him getting in the end zone, working over Caillou Blue Kelly, corner for Baltimore that they took from Stanford. Really liked him in this draft process. Just physical at the catch point. And I think what stands out to me most in Diami's touchdown was where Sam Howell's ball placement is. We talk a lot about accuracy and zip and being able to pump it into certain windows and not just pump it into a window, but have that keyhole, that pinhole accuracy. Sam putting that ball really at the front of the goal line, throwing it underneath, because when he releases that football, Caillou is in actually good coverage, the corner for the Ravens. He's in good coverage, but Diami makes his way back to the football at the front side of the end zone, goes up high points of football and secures it into his chest. It's an easy it's an easy pitch and catch for six. And just when you locate the ball like that, like Sam Howell did, just makes life easier on your receivers. And if you're not open, well, if you have a quarterback that can throw you open, it just makes everything easier and flow, and it really expands the playbook if you're Eric Bieniemy. Um, real quick, I want to talk about the defense and on just with the younger guys, especially that first drive was ugly when they went down in 75 yards and just a couple minutes. Headlined by that Zay Flowers 26-yard hookup with Josh Johnson, our old friend Josh Johnson. Um, the angles by our DBs on that first drive uh, were ugly. Wild, Rochelle Wild Goose. Uh, Emmanuel Forbes on that first drive was, did not take a good angle, closing down on Zay on that quick little curl route on the outside, attacking the outside shoulder, not slowing his feet down. Um, Quan Martin, when Zay actually, when he caught that ball on that 26-yard hookup, when he's making his way into the end zone, Quan just goes flying by him, trying to arm tackle him. That's not going to work in the NFL. I thought Quan had a better day. Obviously, he made the outstanding pick uh, in the end zone. Heck of a play. He was beat on the play, but we talked about the turnover margin, right? Getting the ball back for your offense and then returning it back 57 yards or whatever it was. Look, it's a heck of a play. Keeping his feet in bounds, not just saying, I'm going to kneel it in the end zone and take it at the 25. We're going to return it back to opposite territory. That, that's the things that you want from your young DBs, making plays, getting them confidence, learning under fire. They were not perfect last night. Manuel wasn't perfect. Loved the tackle that he had. Working past, dipping his shoulder on, on the offensive tackle on the outside and making the play behind the line of scrimmage. I've talked it. I've talked about it on here for a long time about how Emmanuel Forbes can tackle. He's a hell of a tackler at 170 pounds. He just shows up every, sing, every single time I see him in the run game and asking him to stick his face in the mud. He's not scared to do so. He's not. Stack and shed a guy, work free, make an open tackle. He can do that. And he showed that last night. Again, not perfect. The DBs were not perfect last night. Not even close. It's a very young room. Rashad Wild Goose is young. Tariq Castro Fields is young. I don't think Tariq Castro Fields makes a roster. If anything, practice squad guy. Christian Holmes saw him more in the second half. Thought they were fine. But really, it, it just was the offense last night. Specifically in the first half. And from a quarterback's perspective, I actually thought Jake Fromm looked better than Jacoby Brissett. Last night, um, again, Jacoby's going to be QB2, absolutely, for this roster. Um, the pick that he had, trying to cover, trying to work with John Bates, I thought that John should have cut off his route, shouldn't have drifted a little bit more, um, and that was just a bad, you know, mis- it looked like a miscommunication, honestly, to me. Jacoby is someone that consistently takes care of the football and always has, so just having an interception like that where it was ugly and right to the defender, maybe a miscommunication there. I don't have Washington's playbook in front of me, so I can't tell you where John Bates is supposed to be. It looked like a decent route. Um, I want to see John Bates more in space, which was good to see him running routes. Um, but that just hookup there wasn't, it didn't look, it was just, it, it was just it looked like a miscommunication. 
bottom line, in my mind, it just looked like a simple miscommunication. Um, offensive line as a whole, I'm just going down the notes here, guys. Offensive line as a whole was extremely impressive uh, for me. Um, Sadiq Charles got the start at left guard. We saw Chris Paul work basically the entire game um, in and out in the first half, in the second half. And he was in there for the final whistle. So it was good for him to get work on the left side of the offensive line. Sadiq was up and down. Um, again, not a guy that's going to blow bodies off the line of scrimmage. Had a couple times where he's on his face. Had a holding penalty. You know, I've mentioned to you guys my worries with Sadiq. Um, they didn't really clear themselves out last night with what I saw from him, especially in that whole first half of work. Uh, working with the starters, I thought the right side of the offensive line was good. You did not hear Sam Cosme or Andrew Wiley's name last night. That's a good thing. Sam Cosme at guard looked really damn good. He's got bumpers to either side of him now. Uh, his athleticism, his hands, he's playing with leverage. Uh, he'll never get jolted by a guy within line of scrimmage unless he's facing an Aaron Donald type or someone with extremely quick hands that can jolt him back. He's just got really good control um, at the guard spot where he's just able to consistently win first and control uh, the three tech that's working over him or, or you got a guy that's twisting inside or you got a linebacker blitzing through the B gap. He just does a nice job. Um, and I thought that Sam is getting better and better and better every time we see him at guard. Now it's of course just staying healthy and allowing that front five um, to mesh as a whole. Uh, working into the second half, because again, the first half was pretty clean in my mind. Again, Sam was not perfect. A couple times I wanted to see him get the ball out of his hands a little more. That pocket starting to decrease um, and get in his face a little bit. Ravens did not have all their starters out there on defense last night. So get the ball out of your hands quicker. The progressions I saw, the offensive line gave him time to work left to right, right to left, wherever the defense did take him. So that's a major positive in his comfortability in the offense. But just getting the ball out even more and just quicker, right? Everything speeds up once you work into the regular season and defenses have tape on you and what you want to do from a personnel groupings perspective and alignment perspective and your tendencies, where you want to throw the football as a quarterback, people are going to have that on Sam, when, especially when we work into the Buffalo, the Denver, and the Philly game. People are going to have more tape on him. Arizona may not. All the tape that they have is the Dallas game last year. And we know how many changes, how many changes there have been, excuse me, on Washington's offensive side of the football since any NFL team has seen Sam Howell. So Arizona's coming in really blind. So, but again, the teams after that, moving into the middle of the season, barring anything unforeseen, and Sam isn't QB1, going to have to continue to improve to really lift the ceiling of this offense because last night was really, really fun. Seeing Sam work in the pocket, work outside of structure, make throws, had that ugly sack, then he comes back on third and 15, throws a dart over the middle of the field. It just coming back from crap, right? What do you do? It's okay if you, if you get sacked. It's going to happen in the NFL. Washington does not have a perfect front five. It's not going to be perfect moving into this year. But what do you do after that? And that's the thing that, that really stood out to me the most, right? You get sacked, and then you hit Cole Turner on a third and 15 for a first down. That tells me that he's putting it behind him. He's having a memory of a goldfish, right? And just moving forward and just continuing to progress. But we're moving to the second half. And first, first place I want to start is with Jonathan Williams. If you guys don't follow me on Twitter, it's underscore Ryan Fowler. I put out a tweet of Jonathan Williams in pass pro. He just lit up a defensive back for the Ravens coming in. And number one thing you learn as a DB is do not leave your, or really anybody, don't leave your feet. You're going to get embarrassed. And Jonathan Williams exactly did that. You punish jumpers. And pass pro as a running back is not passive. 
You punish people when you can. And you, when a DB comes jumping in your arms, what does Jonathan Williams do? He puts his ass in the dirt. I love to see it. And that was a standout play for me, really from the entire game, and just showed you the type of person that Jonathan Williams is. Jonathan Williams is physical, type in your face, downhill runner. I thought he was fine in the ground game. Had a couple carries, two carries, 15 yards, about seven and a half a pop. Um, didn't get a ton of work. Didn't see him a lot in, in preseason week one. He's still a bubble guy or on the outside looking in, but just that physical type of play, I just love to see at the running back position. Um, Andre Jones, guys, I don't know what else to say about number 48. Um, working into that second half, um, we did not see any really of the starters within that, especially that front four. All the names were out. Um, and I just, he just continues to pop. Guys, continues to pop. And I understand the play. I, that's also on my Twitter. He's unblocked. But as a defensive end, if you're unblocked, you come screaming down off the line of scrimmage with your hair on fire, trying to make a play. And that's exactly what he did, make a TFL. And just continues to pop and continue to make plays. You're a free rusher off the edge, make a play. And that's exactly what he did. Didn't miss the tackle. Didn't blow by somebody and look, you know, looking left and right and the ball's behind him and they're, they're out the back door. Made a play on the football. And that's all you can ask for. Someone that has been working some with the ones and the twos rotationally. Rookie, seventh rounder, Louisiana Lafayette. I've talked about him seemingly every single podcast for the last two, three weeks. Just someone that shows up. You have an opportunity. You're drafted. You're a rookie in this edge rotation to where you know coming in, you're not going to be a guy that starts. You're working for a DPR role, so designated pass rusher. Or you're working as a guy that can just come in and give guys breathers on early downs because he can play in the run, as we saw last night. And what I love so much about Andre, and I mentioned in prior episodes, if you missed those, you can just tune back to, to our prior episodes on, on Spotify here or Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts we are on, is his ability now to learn to play with his hands in the dirt. Because at Louisiana Lafayette in the Sun Belt, he played standing up in a two-point stance. So he's learning to play in that three-point, four-point stance with his hand in the dirt consistently. So that changes, right, how you explode off the line of scrimmage, how you attack offensive linemen, are you attacking a tight end, different things like that that go into his ability on the edge. It's a, it's a learning, a whole different facet of the game, really a whole different viewpoint going from standing up to down near the dirt. A whole different viewpoint. And for him just being a pro for just a, a couple months and the plays that he's made in training camp and joint practices with Baltimore, the play last night that he had, he popped in preseason week one out in Cleveland, just continues to show up. And I firmly believe that he makes the roster. I firmly believe that Andre Jones makes his final 53. Because when I saw the guys that trotted out in that late third quarter and fourth quarter and it was William Bradley King, you know, William Bradley King, he's been here a long time. Injuries, practice squad, I don't, think he, I don't think he's here. I think absolutely Andre Jones deserves a roster spot. KJ Henry played last night. Want to see some more from him. Haven't seen a ton from KJ. Love his ability. Really do. But it's about continuing to improve. This is the NFL. It's not Clemson. It's not the ACC. And for Andre, it's not the Sun Belt. All these guys are coming from Division I programs. But it doesn't matter where you play. The NFL is a different step up. Different types of level of strength and power and speed. You can't just, the difference between being a good athlete and winning with athleticism and then also understanding the game and also being technically sound to where you can win in all phases of whatever position you're playing. So another tip of the cap to Andre Jones, 
Um, really just cool to see last night, guys. Just a win at FedEx Field. The Josh Harris effect, if you will. Just what a cool moment. Um, when's the last time we saw an owner in Washington, really, for the owner of the Burgundy and Gold, do a live interview on TV? It was cool to see that. Um, the stadium looked energized. It sounded energized. Just a different energy surrounding the football team. And it was really, really cool. Um, I-95, really, you know, the battle of I-95, if you will. We see it with the Nationals and the Orioles in baseball. But seemingly every preseason, right, Washington squares off with Baltimore. And for them to come into FedEx Field and take down their streak was just a cool moment with Josh Harris's first ever game as the majority partner um, of the Washington Commanders at home. And it's preseason. I get it. And when Kendall Smith picked off Anthony Brown late in that fourth quarter after the Joey Sly field goal, you know, it looked like Washington won the Super Bowl, fine. You know, but people that are outside the DMV really don't understand what this franchise has been through. Um, They don't get it. And it was just a really cool moment to sit back and see all the guys vibing, excited. Preseason week two win. It's in the history books. It's just a preseason win. Washington's 2-0 now in the preseason. Awesome to see. I love it. You want to get in the habit of winning. You don't want to lose. You like to compete. You like to win. I haven't seen a lot of that in Washington the last 20-plus years. Want to get to that. Continue to win. To where losing isn't an expectation. Winning should be an expectation. Doing everything you can to win. So seeing a lot of the guys out there pushing in that second half physical, aggressive, especially on defense, that front four, betting Pota'ae in the middle of the defense, pushing dudes around, someone that's most likely not going to be on this roster, but someone that's competing his tail off. I like to see that. It's guys showing up and competing, not saying, ah, I'm a bubble guy. I'm probably getting cut. I'm just going to take it easy within the middle. I'm going to let guys blow by me. I'm going to let guards dominate me and displace me off the line of scrimmage. No, because these guys, bottom line, ladies and gentlemen, They may not be in Washington, but they're also auditioning for 31 other teams that do need players, that do have injuries, that are starting to pile up for some teams across the league. Now, again, knock on wood, we've seen hiccups with Chase Young and Logan Thomas and a couple guys along the front five this offseason, and all those guys I believe should be fine. And Terry last night, which again, I mentioned at the top, should be fine, but Injuries happen, and they will happen. So for the guys in the second, late in the second half last night, it doesn't mean they're not going to be on the roster, but it, they're auditioning, right? The tape that other teams watch, that scouts just file through for other teams to see who can play and who can't. So just a really, just a really, really cool moment last night for a win. Again, 29-28 over the Baltimore Ravens. We are now heading into the final week of the preseason. Washington hosting the Cincinnati Bengals next week. So I will have an episode out for you guys this Thursday. Again, if you missed it in the prior episodes, we are back to two episodes a week where we're having game previews and game recaps every single week. But again, preseason week three is coming up here in just a couple of days. Really, we got a couple games on Thursday with the Steelers and Falcons and the Colts at the Eagles. Then we got games on Friday. We got games on Saturday when the when the Commanders host the Bengals at 6.05 Eastern on Saturday, August 26th. And then we have one game on Sunday to wrap up the preseason, the Texans at the Saints. And ladies and gentlemen, we're just a couple weeks away. It's August 22nd. 
We got week zero of college football this this week. I'm not going to call it week zero. I, I know that's like kind of a fad that people have bought into. Tons of teams are playing. There's no reason to call it week zero. It should be week one. Absolutely. Um, so lots of college football. USC playing. If you guys like quarterback play, <laughs> Caleb Williams from USC. You guys know the name. Heisman Trophy winner from last year. Make sure to check them out. Um, guys, football's back. It really is. We're getting towards the fall. Just a couple weeks away to Washington host Arizona. And when you watch the offense from last night, without the starters on defense, of course, going down the 75-yard drive to open the game with Josh Johnson, at quarterback, Washington starters are out there. I, I'm going to bet you it doesn't happen, right? That, this does not happen. But focusing on the offense, Sam Howell, his comfortability, his poise, the rhythm, his ability to sit back, read progressions, use his legs, keep his eyes up, zip throws into, into targets, using his guys on the outside that we know that need to be featured in Jahan, Terry, Curtis, Diami. That's your top four. That is going to be the top four in Washington this year. And, and just Sam, very impressed, continue to be impressed. And it's just another, again, rung up the ladder for him as he gets better and better and towards week one. So that is going to do it for today's episode. Hope you guys enjoyed. I always appreciate your likes, your reviews, your shares, your subscribes. Again, we're on Apple Podcasts and Spotify, all podcast platforms. You can find us at Commanding the Huddle. Again, I'm on Twitter. If you don't follow me there already, at underscore Ryan Fowler. And again, I will talk to you guys this Thursday with a full game preview out of the Commanders hosting the Cincinnati Bengals in the final preseason game of 2023. So thank you guys as always. I will talk to you then. I'm Ryan Fowler, and this is Commanding the Huddle. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.